since time immemorial dance has been an expression an expression of social interaction of maybe a ritual or maybe just to vibe around this episode of surface scratchers is something different we look at dance from a lens that you wouldn't imagine a dance from a lens of history from a lens of different rituals from different parts of the world again and yet again we have a special guest so stay tuned Hello hello my name is Savant Hey listeners my name is Ronnie welcome to another episode of Surface Scratchers Savant and I again like he mentioned earlier got a guest over here because this topic is something that neither of us are really very good at execution wise Savant are you a good dancer I don't think so no? I don't think so either Right your I... body proportions don't make you a very good dancer You all want to talk <laughs> I at least I at least dance like that you know inflatable balloon person that you said That was my joke that was the only prep that I had for this episode is to <laughs> rehash my joke from 2016 is that when Ronnie dances he looks like the inflatable balloon outside an american mall You know But you one... know what I've learned I've learned to move my feet now my feet aren't planted to the ground Wow. Oh, by the way, it's it's the fitness. inflatable balloon, Ronnie, which is usually outside a used car showroom. In India, it's in front of you know the best malls, you know, bro. Mm. At least Bangalore had it in front of Kemfort. You know. So I'd give myself a modest five, knowing you're a two. Fifty-two, <laughs> five two, five point two at least. So on anyway. that on that note, let's welcome a ten on the show. So we are so excited to have you, our resident expert for the day, Uttara. Hey guys, so I'm Savant times Ronnie, maybe <laughs> it's a ten. But hi, and it's so great to be here. I love your show, and thank you for having me, Ronnie. Do you know why you can't dance? Who said I can't dance? We just established that I can. But I mean, why on a scale of why yeah, why can't you dance? No, it's specifically you. Why can't you dance? I don't know. I don't because I you have dance. two leftist feet. Oh, <laughs> Malayali reference in the house. <laughs> Love it. Why so, Uttara, the question that we will now ask all our resident experts: What makes you the resident expert on dance? And by resident, we don't just mean better than Savant and myself. But yeah, we mean that. <laughs> no, I think guys, to be fair, all of us are resident experts because we are Homo sapiens. Uh, it's one of the reasons we beat Neanderthals because we can dance. So don't beat yourself over it, unless of course you're a Neanderthal. But um, no, in all seriousness, I've been practically dancing for more than twenty-five years. Like I learned. ever since i was 4 and i've been doing that still learning um from the same teacher i started with so it's been a great wow. journey of self discovery and just fun and for our listeners utra you practice bharatnatyam right yes uh that's the dance form that i'm most comfortable in so yeah followed by ganpati dance <laughs> So yeah. yeah, so onto <laughs> onto uh, the discussion that you just segued in with Neanderthals and how dance 
was kind of uh, a byproduct of evolution. More on that. So, um, performing arts, like we say, like, which includes music, dance, theater, it came about 40,000 years ago. So, this was when Europe was on the brink of uh, a monumental change. Uh, this region was the home to Neanderthals. But now, a new species was racing across Europe. So, uh, Homo sapiens was the species. So, Homo sapiens were clever in a way that Neanderthals were not. Mm -hmm. Within just 5,000 years, so like in a blink of an eye, uh, our species captured the most of the continent. Um, This dramatic pace in which things changed for the Neanderthals proved that there was something different about uh, Homo sapiens. Um, For instance, the Neanderthals sometimes lived in caves. And the caves were like pretty boring, blank walls, a few stones here, a few rocks there, pretty much like your rooms in the boys' hostel, I guess. But then our species arrived and the cave walls became like canvases. So there were paintings of human figures and animals drawn with intricate tools made with bones and ivory. And soon these bone and ivory instruments were refined to make musical instruments. All right, so think of these small flutes made from bird bones and mammoth ivory. And so music started finding its way into life. And music and art were important to help Homo sapiens form this sense of community or forge this group identity, which kind of enabled them to trust each other. And this trusting the strangers and forming a community is what enabled um, Homo sapiens to kind of beat the Neanderthals out of Europe. Wow. So that's that, why that sounds, we are pretty much the resident experts. That let me just butt right in and that sounds unbelievable. It it can't be the fact just Homo sapiens played some music and suddenly trust was born, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> There's another thing that I read uh, on the evolution of music. So music, of course, starts with the human voice, right? That's an instrument that everybody has got. And there appears to be a certain bone Mm-hmm. in our throat neck area called the hyoid then this bone the location of this bone indicates you know how evolved your pharynx or your voice box is so if it's at a particular location then your you know your voice box isn't well evolved you can't sing you can't make music or whatever if it's lower down it means that your voice box is slightly more evolved and not only did neanderthals but another species called uh, Homo Heidelberg genesis, Heidelberg genesis, had this voice box slightly lower down as well. So very likely they were singers, but maybe not you know your lead so, guitarists, etc. So lower the voice box, the more evolved you are. The lower the hyoid bone in your throat, the more evolved your voice box is. This I and... don't again. I don't buy this at all. In that case. With every stage of evolution, we should be better singers and dancers. And here you you have Ronnie. (laughs) (laughs) If if dance is one of those things that just gets better with evolutionary stages, Ronnie, why are you an inflatable balloon? This is is about singing, man. I'm a very good singer. (laughs) 
No, but speaking about evolution, so it's not just a social or a cultural phenomenon. It's very much a biological one as well. Hmm. Like even Charles Darwin dedicated several pages to music in his book, The Descent of Men, which is pretty much the, you know, the highlight of our intellectual history as a species, the book. And he spent several pages dedicated to music and why? Because uh, Darwin believed that music would have a biological origin, that it must have existed because it helped our ancestors survive. So to explain this, he used this theory of sexual selection. Um, Sexual selection is something that's very well accepted in the whole evolution discourse. Um, It explains certain traits in organisms that may not necessarily help the organism survive on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. but it is used for the organism to attract a mate. Okay. So pretty much like Ronnie's bad sense of humor. (laughs) Sure, it does nothing for his survival, but um, Mm -hmm. I guess it helped in some other aspects. So no, even things like um, feathers of the male peacock or um, songs of the bird or the antlers of the deer. So all these are features of sexual selection. So Darwin felt that sexual selection theory explains our musical abilities. And I think he was onto something because my husband and I first connected over him sharing uh, his favorite songs of Coke studio. So I think music did bring us together. So Darwin was right. But okay, whatever. He so just music knew your was not just... Probably. <laughs> he just okay. But yeah. So yeah, I mean, music was not just a cultural or social innovation. It was sparked by a very biological need of survival for our species. Super interesting. And and also what I heard was, uh, sorry, what I researched a little bit was that human babies aren't really very well evolved once they're born. You see photos and videos of, you know, baby giraffes falling off from their mother's womb, falling a height of maybe six or 10 feet. And within a period of, you know, maybe, maybe half an hour so, or so, they're getting up and walking and running around or whatever. Human babies, of course, take years for us to, you know, get to that stage and where we can fend for ourselves. So human mothers had to literally carry their babies around everywhere they go. If they're gathering berries, uh, cutting some wheat or something in their farms or whatever, the human babies had to be there around with them. And babies also can't hold on to their mothers. You see gorilla mm-hmm. babies, etc. They hold on to their mothers and the mothers got both hands free to do something. So what apparently human mothers used to do was put the baby down and sing and coo to the baby in, in, in a language apparently that's called motheries, not language, but in, you know, that sing song, baby talk voice, etc. to calm the baby down and make it realize that, you know, mummy's around, you don't need to worry. So that again is a theory that could prove the uh, origin of music, etc. Again, relating to the descent of the hyoid bone in your uh, in your throat which which again is the original and the best musical instrument but would perhaps. you call alelele music <laughs> yeah no and if we we've been speaking about music a lot but even if we go towards dance dance is nothing but like spontaneous rhythmic response to music so yeah. even your Ganpati dance is dick chick, dick chick, dick chick, right? right? So it's like a very rhythmic response to music. And if you see, like, there is this innate sense of rhythm that's all prevalent everywhere. Like our heartbeat is rhythmic. Our right. breath is rhythmic. 
the seasons of the nature are rhythmic even the way the animals run are rhythmic so there is this innate sense of rhythm that prevails in life uh, which is again tying back to how movement to a rhythmic pattern is also very natural to all living beings and and cool and essentially all everything that you said is is an animal's ability to keep rhythm sense time and react to it and we know animals can keep time uh, bees are you know bees which aren't really very evolved animals are known to uh, keep time as well so i don't think it's too much of a stretch to imagine that you know animals can do rhythm and move their bodies as well think of any modern day social scenario it has an element of music and dance to it like weddings birthdays festivals sometimes even funerals mm-hmm. so there are like several <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so um several cultures also have very specific ritualistic performing arts like mm-hmm. ritual dances they combine movements and music and rituals for a very specific shared purpose okay so one of the famous ritual dances is the dragon dance in china mm-hmm. i'm sure if you've seen kung fu panda you can see like they put on a dragon costume and fight with each other so that costume is a central piece of this dance and it's typically performed during the chinese new year where the dancers move this long flexible uh, dragon figure with poles positioned in different uh, intervals and um, so chinese dragons are a symbol of china's culture and they are believed to bring good luck to people so the longer the dragon the more luck it will bring to the community so you know like i actually looked this up the longest dragon is 5568 meters long that's like the length of our bandra verli ceiling wow wow so yeah but it wasn't that's... doing anything useful i'm sure it wasn't fun just <laughs> crawling around like a centipede or whatever hmm possible so and another um one of these rich, uh, ritual dances that i'm sure you guys would have seen is the whirling dervish yeah the, so the turkish it started thing, off a sufi thing Sufi thing yeah so it was started off as a form of meditation by the sufi poet rumi uh he very famously like there's a very famous quote of his that says there are many roads which lead to god and i have chosen the one of dance and music mm-hmm. so he would fast and meditate and then dance to reach that state of unparalleled um, enlightenment uh so in this particular whirling dervish the dancers wear these long sleeved white robes uh, full skirts Props. and that symbolizes their shroud of ego yeah and they wear this conical hat which yeah. also symbolizes the tombstone of the ego so the momentum and the duration of the rotation and the patterns that the skirts create it kind of looks like it's levitating like yeah. defying gravity kind of a thing so it's a pretty surreal experience and, and i love it when as they whirl and their uh, robe they i think they wear one more robe inside and the first rope they take off from the air also and it just whirls away in the sky also like that it's quite cool yeah i think that also symbolizes um shredding your ego one layer at a time oh. so there is like a spiritual meaning to each of the act in the whole performance lovely wow and um speaking of uh, funerals like the, it's 
some of the cultures have dance dances around death so even in tamil nadu mm-hmm. in certain communities family of the dead they actually hire professionals to sing and dance in the funeral procession mm-hmm. so people will be like drinking and dancing to some electrifying music and i'm sure you guys would have heard this dabbang kootu which is like the uh-huh. south indian version of our ganpati dance so a variation of that it's called the saavu kootu so it's the kootu done during a death procession so you will hear these conches and gongs and this country drum uh, which basically is that the person who has died has actually escaped pain and suffering so it's a celebration of that and nice. personally i think that's a great way to go like i would love it if there was like one last big party people getting drunk and then setting me off with a song and a dance like that's such a good way to go right yeah hey i've seen this in bangalore as well you know where the 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 dead for, uh, fellow is propped up on a chair and i think probably tied around tied on the onto the chair with bandages and put on a plinth of sorts and then he's taken along in the procession so he's sitting up there with that's kind cotton, of creepy dude yeah with cotton in his nose some uh, glasses if he used to wear glasses before he was dead and all of that and people in front you know doing this type of dance and all of that <laughs> that's cool no so guys it's not just um music and dance like there is this very famous medieval concept called the dance of macabre that often features even yeah. in painting poetry um drama so in this dance of macabre or the dance of death there are these you see these skeletons escorting living beings into their graves in a yeah. lively waltz of sorts and oh, nice. they're like a comp- yeah and you should check out this image you know it's such a striking image it's like these skeletons dancing around a living like a, a freshly dead person super creepy uh, with yeah and and there these skeletons are accompanied uh by kings and knights and common folk so that also symbolizes that boss jitna bhi wealth status accomplishments hai ultimately aukat is aukat so death will come for everybody and so these are people in costumes this, is it uh no so this is a painting um okay. it's uh, it's adapted in poetry and drama as well so i'm sure there are people in costumes too but there is this really striking painting we can probably link it to the show notes but it's like you will almost see the liveliness of death and the way it's celebrated around a freshly dead person and you yes. know this painting or this concept was especially popular because that was the time when thousands of people were dying out of plague endless battles and wars so the dance of macabre was a way to uh, for people to confront the ever present prospect of death wow so that was a good way to kind of uh, make death a swallowable pill wow. so speaking of death we can't not speak of birth so there are a lot of um performing art rituals that are centered around birth as well mm-hmm. like the ancient wisdom for birthing has been passed down to us in the form of fertility and birth dances from thousands of years ago and um like the moves or the movements that are uh, in this dance they they believe to be secrets from our four mothers that help women uh, in during their labor due uh, it gives the right position for the baby for an easier birthing process oh. so 
the belly dance from middle east is believed to be one such dance as well so during pregnancy like women gather around and dance with the laboring mother and there is this trance like drumming and dance movements that kind of help the birthing mother to get eased into her labor and ultimately surrender to her labor so that's a great example of how performing arts dance music kind of helps in the birthing process too even uh, um but i i think the advent of the epidural <laughs> spelt spelt death for belly dancing <laughs> during birth <laughs> Yeah. And um coming back to birth dances I'm sure you guys would know this is the hijra's dancing when a child is born or there is a wedding in the family so that is called badhai the art the dance form the music and the dance together mm-hmm. so it's got a pretty interesting um story the origin of badhai which is uh in some versions of the ramayana mm-hmm. when rama was leaving for ayodhya leaves ayodhya for his 14 years of exile into the forest there's a crowd of his subjects who follow him into the forest because of their devotion towards him so as soon as rama notices this he's like hang on uh, there is no need to mourn i will be back in 14 years so and he says that all the men and women of his kingdom should return back to their homes in ayodhya and then rama leaves Then after 14 years once he returns to Ayodhya he finds that the hijras were still there where he gave that speech because he said all the men and women so the hijras oh. were very much still there so he was so impressed with their devotion that he granted them the boon that they can confer blessings on people during auspicious occasions like when a child is born or when there are weddings so this is why we see hijras come to these events to grant their blessings to the family Wow, so That's nice. That's a pretty cool story. But wow. why didn't they accompany him and just stand in that place? Because he said, "Don't come with me." Oh, All the men said, and women. He said, "Don't come with me." Sorry, <laughs> got it. I missed Sorry. that bit. I just, yeah, <laughs> I just heard <laughs> you should go back. <laughs> Sure, that's the that's the only technical error in this whole story. But yeah. <laughs> There's so much we don't know, man, Ronnie. जेनुअन तो गाइज लाइक क्विक क्वेश्चन बोथ ऑफ यू उत्तरा डांसर आई प्रॉब्लली नो लाइक वॉट्स दैट वॉट्स योर फेवरेट डांस उत्तरा फॉर यू एक्सेप्ट भरतनाट्यम लाइक वॉट्स योर फेवरेट डांस नॉट टू डू मे बी टू वॉच एंड वॉट्स दैट वन डांस दैट यू फाइंड रिडिक्यूलस I like the Bangla. Oh man, I was going to say the same. As the one that you find ridiculous, or the one that you like? No, no, the one like one I wish I could do better, and the one I like. Appeasing the Punjabi in-laws, I see, but. Uh... <laughs> 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 yeah, so, yeah, the Bangla's Bangla's chill because the basic form of Bangla, pretty much everyone can do. And yes. in your case, the inflatable balloon is actually the Bangla in many ways. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. If I can get my feet to move, then I'm done. Is that your answer as well, Uttara? It is. It is my answer too. Especially when women do bhangra, it looks so powerful. It does. It does. And yeah, especially when they go and they do that Russian squat and then they come back and do the bhangra. Oh damn! That's quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> and what? Oh, I like the Russian dance as well, bro. The, the I don't Russian know what bhangra. it's called. 
yeah, yeah where, where they fold their hands and do the squat and jump yeah, and stretch their legs and all that. Uh, what's the what's the one dance that you guys find ridiculous? Can I go first? Yeah. I would say when um, Bharatanatyam steps are done in Bollywood, <laughs> it's so bad. It's terrible. <laughs> I think that's worse than Ronnie the inflatable but balloon. They are democratizing Bharatanatyam, which is good, right? Like when Michael Jackson did Odyssey in black and white, everyone was like, "Yo, was this cool Indian dance?" Yeah. <laughs> not that it helped democratize odyssey but yeah <laughs> sure like d- improving access or improving awareness that such a dance form exists sure but it's just murdering butchering the art form as well so i'm a bit more towards the uh, side than the woo side of this i tell you my favorite and my what i find ridiculous my favorite is actually the tap dance i find it very cool That's yes. like, that's like rhythm at its best, right? Uh, I swear, it's like a typewriter with someone with ten fingers doing yeah. something. Uh, or yeah, I, I even like, feet. I even like ballet because I feel that that requires like more physical dexterity than many other dance forms. Uh, not that I've watched a lot of ballet, just the concept of it and you know being on your toes. Uthra is going to now counter me and say Bharat Natyam maybe होता है वो toes पे but yeah. But <laughs> I like how aware you are already. That's good. And one dance I find ridiculous are these, are these viral trend dances. I don't think you guys are on the TikTok or Reel wagon much, but uh, it's a thing now. Maybe like. Yeah, are you on TikTok in India? No man, I wish I was. Ah, thank you. <laughs> no, so I don't know. Do you guys know what? Podcast to be shut down we, because you we, were on we, TikTok. We'll, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes if Ronnie allows it. But uh, do you know what uh, to duggy means? The dug- to what? Duggy, the dance, duggy. Nah, bro. Nah. Uh, so, no. So okay, then we should definitely link it for you guys as well. So the song goes like, "Teach me how to duggy," and duggying is basically Ronnie's dancing. I'm not even kidding. That's a dance <laughs> a form, and people are, there are millions of views to learn how to duggy. Sweet. Wow. Because it's really tough to do if you look at it. Like, just think about it, Uthra. If you have to dance like Ronnie, can you recreate it? It's so tough. But it is like you can't intentionally dance like Ronnie. Yeah, for sure. Like you can't be so out of rhythm on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so to Dougie is like that. So you guys should check it out totally. Yeah. Interesting. we've been discussing a lot about the uh, biological evolutionary and ritualistic view of performing arts but now there's something also called as a cultural memory aspect of it cultural memory is something like a shared experience so performing arts helps one generation pass on that experience that they've shared to generations after them uh, this happens not only through performing arts but also through texts oral traditions even monuments museums etc so it kind of uh, crystallizes this shared experience creates this shared identity um like a classic example of that it's not really a dance but it's it is a performance like you guys would know this beating retreat at waga atari border mm-hmm, yeah where yes that's not a yeah. dance is it <laughs> it it's, is man. that's what i 
it is hmm. it's a martial arts more than a dance but <laughs> i mean it has a sense of music with the drums it has a sense of rhythm and people actually moving to that rhythm so by that logic it is mm-hmm. a dance of sorts loosely put yeah. but it is a classic example of collective memory because like beating retreat we know it marks like an age old military tradition where the troops seize the fight they put their arms back withdraw for the i mean are done for the day and retreat into their um, camps at sunset so this ceremony is to this day it's a daily practiced ceremony by both sides um, on the by the military on the both sides of the border and it's done since 1959 now why this is is because it's a symbol of the two countries rivalry as well as their brotherhood and cooperation so doing this ceremony every day kind of builds this identity of the self and the other so mm-hmm. it kind of helps maintain that distance but the union so it's that shared memory that gets passed on generation after generation just to maintain that identity wow so it's wow yeah do we have any other cool such examples hey, so we do this we do this during the republic day parade as well so after the 26th main event on the 29th there's a huge beating retreat thing that happens at uh, vijay chowk which is at the bottom of you know the other end of the india gate thing uh, i wonder if it will happen this year with all the construction that's happening over there but again this was something that uh, uh, nehru started when uh, elizabeth the second and prince philip were visiting india in 19 in the 1950s so that's another thing that happens and i think beating retreat happens quite a lot in a lot of these commonwealth uh, countries as well but but an interesting story so utra you mentioned the origins possibly you know an instruction for soldiers to abandon their posts and come back into the castle or whatever it is but there's another terminology for this huh? it's called a military tattoo i don't I'm, i don't know if i'm pronouncing tattoo correctly but apparently it comes from a dutch phrase called do den tap to which is turn off the tap which was a signal that was uh sent from these military barracks or something by trumpeters and drummers instructing pub owners and bars to stop pouring soldiers their drinks anymore so <laughs> once the pub owners hear this they'd stop pouring this and the soldiers would realize there's no more drink to be had and file it into the castle as well <laughs> so that's a possible origin story for <laughs> the beating retreat <laughs> this one as well which which i think is quite cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, moving on to the last segment of the day, uh, and we have touched upon this. It'll be great to have Uttara's point of view on this as as the resident expert and an established and, and experienced dancer. Uh, so, is dance or can dance be a sport? So, Uttara, we'll tell you what Ronnie and I discuss and agreed on. Ronnie, unless you have a different view now. Research, I don't. Know. I think I'll have slightly different view, but ha, go on. Okay, so what we classified anything as a sport if it had like a couple of things. Number one, involved a bit of physical dexterity that requires you know practice and training to get good at. Number two, there has to be very clear rules and and codes of how the sport is played. 
okay and deviance from that is pretty much not allowed and finally there has to be an outcome either a clean win or loss or a draw even if you can't do any of that is not a sport now dance unless it is uh, nach baliye okay <laughs> 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 who like who has like, something like you football you know the outcome you score a goal and that's how you win who gives farah khan and who is the other person karan johar i don't adnan know sami. Adna, adnan sami let's call him adnan sami the right to judge a baliye dancing and say you've got 9 out of 10 no that i think is ridiculous that is definitely not proper this one but if it were done like how gymnasts in the olympics do uh uh belgian no. waffles flip flop because belgian waffles flip flop is a part of the code is a part of the rule now in that belgian waffle flip flop if the gymnast does a duggy then, <laughs> then she won't get points no no but, no but in dance the more duggy if you do a belgian waffle flip flop you will not get points yeah but while doing a duggy if it's a sport you do a belgian waffle flip flop you'll get more points so, <laughs> so, no but i think we can we can we can ask the resident expert over yeah, she sorry. said bharatanatyam does have its technicalities which she was able to definitely see in bollywood is not being replicated true to form so utara what's your take i think i'm closer to savan's take on this like yes there is a sense of um, physical fitness training uh, to get that balance agility coordination that's required in dance as well like in sports another similarity that dance bears with sports is it needs a teacher it needs a coach it can't be learned by reading hey, sorry savan listening. says dance is not a sport yeah you're disagreeing No, no, I do. I'm just stating the similarities up front because my list of differences is huge. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think dance can be a sport because dance is so subjective. Like you can't quantify how high is the jump or how low is the squat that the person does in Bhangra to jump high in the air for X meters, right? So it's not something quantifiable objectively, and like dance unlike sports requires a certain sense of performance and yeah i mean you can say that even the sports people are performing on court but they don't smile while putting the ball in the basket right like dance needs that level of performance emotional uh, portrayal so a lot of these elements doesn't qualify yeah, and dance as what's lovely about dance because it's an expression the consumer is open to interpret it right basketball mein aisa nahi hai ki basket dalo abhi socho jo hona matlab up to you to decide 4 point to 6 point fake news fake news <laughs> no but the, i completely agree with you utra like it's let dance be a form of maybe it's uh, one sided maybe it's too extreme of view but let dance be a beautiful form of expression uh, and let sport be what it is which is not it could be actually yeah. a form of expression as well but yeah not dance 
No, but what's interesting is we are going to see a breakdance competition in the next Olympics. What really? In the Paris Olympics, there is going to be a breakdancing competition. Like breakdance, really? Yeah. yeah. College festival so... again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's. I mean. even to think that how they will score it it's a pretty elaborate system because like we said dance is so subjective you need to have so many parameters to kind of capture the holistic um, performance that this dance will bring on the table right so there are six criterias they have in place there is technique variety performativity mass musicality creativity and personality so socho matlab you're going to like think of all of these things while evaluating a break dancer uh, who's performing in the olympics so it's going to be a bit complicated but i don't know let's see yeah, how totally it pans out can you imagine farah khan on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the judges at the paris olympics tum mein wo x factor nahi tha on that note we come to the end of this really 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 interesting episode putra thank you so much it's amazing how passionate and knowledgeable you are about dance and i'm sure our listeners had the best time listening to you uh, if you like utra or anamika in the previous episode think you're a resident expert in something all you need to know is a little more than what roni and i know please do drop in a mail to <laughs> surfacecratchers@gmail.com good job Until next week guys stay tuned bye